Welcome, everyone, to The Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. We are back. I was out of town for that wedding over the weekend. I had a great time. I ended up flying instead of driving, so I was actually able to get back Sunday afternoon. Started catching up immediately on everything I missed from the last weekend of preseason action. Though, truth be told, any spare moments I had while I was out there, I was on the phone. I was checking for the latest. I was that guy. Plus, I get so many notifications. I'm signed up for the league and all 32 teams on the score, so I get tons of news sent right to me. It is a great way to keep up on everything this time of year. I recommend everyone do that. And I had to keep track, though, because I had a fantasy draft on Saturday afternoon. I had to do it from my hotel room right before the wedding. My buddies back home scheduled it for 4 p.m. on Saturday. The wedding started at 6 p.m. So fortunately, we got it done in a little over an hour. I wasn't late for the ceremony or anything like that. It all worked out. But enough about my weekend. We don't have to talk anymore about that. We got a lot of business we got to take care of today. We're doing our final preseason takeaways episode. And like I said, Fortunately, I was able to get through everything yesterday and today. I have my takeaways article up over in the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit that has all my thoughts from this week's games in there. Today, we're just going to hit on the main ones. I'm going to try to go quick here because I got a lot of items that I want to actually get to. It keeps growing every week. The first week, it was 10 items. Last week, it was 12. This week, I think it might be like 15 or something like that, but I'll try to get through them all here. But before we do, I got to discuss the Brian Robinson situation, and I'm sure everyone's heard by now, but we'll recap really quickly here. The commander's third round pick, he's in stable condition, which is the most important part, but he was shot multiple times in an attempted robbery on Sunday. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reported that at least two of the bullets struck Robinson in the lower body. Fortunately, the injuries aren't life-threatening. The surgery went well. The commander's head coach, Ron Rivera, actually visited with Robinson, and he had some positive remarks after that. So it seems like we're headed in the right direction here, which could have been so much worse. It could have been so much worse. So that is great to hear. And this all comes after just a fantastic training camp, a fantastic preseason Robinson rising up the depth chart, arguably taking over the lead back duties. You could debate that a little bit, but it seemed like Robinson was the main guy with Antonio Gibson taking a little bit of a back seat there, maybe working in as more of a complimentary back. And then JD McKissick being the the passing down guy there. So the rookie had really positioned himself to have a a great fantasy season. And now we have no idea where this stands. I mean, he's going to have to focus on his recovery. We wish him all the best. We want to see him get back to being full health. We don't have a timeline on how long that could take, so I'm not going to sit here and try to speculate. We will wait for more information to come out before we try to project when he could possibly return here. However long he is sidelined for, Gibson's likely going to step back into the starting role, and you'll have McKissick doing the passing down job still. Not much changes for him. This could also lead Washington to keep maybe some of the guys that were on the roster bubble, like Jonathan Williams or... Jared Patterson, some of those guys, at least one of them maybe could stick on the roster. We'll see when cut down day happens on Tuesday. Either way, the important thing here is that Robinson survived and we hope to see him back on a football field at some point this season. But that was sort of the biggest news that kind of overshadowed everything that happened in this week's preseason games. But we will talk about some of the takeaways from the games. The first one for me is I think people should be targeting Elijah Mitchell more in drafts. And I'm not just saying that because I took him in that draft on Saturday. I got him at a great value. But there's been some conflicting reports about San Francisco's backfield depth chart. And I think people have been worried that maybe one of these other guys, a Jeff Wilson or a Tyrion Davis Price, 
or even a Trey Sermon. Maybe someone else will be involved and take away from Mitchell. I think what we've seen this preseason is that none of those guys are really a threat to Mitchell at all. We could talk about the offensive line. They really looked like they were struggling this weekend, but they also didn't have their full complement of guys out there, right? When you have Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey at tackle, that's going to help things quite a bit. There's some question marks on the interior line. They're going to have to get that shored up, but it will help quite a bit when you have a stud left tackle out there. And then McGlinchey, who we think can be pretty good at right tackle. And Mitchell, when you look at what he did last year, I think people forget because he did get hurt. He missed some games. But when you want to talk about average fantasy points scored per game and half PPR leagues, he scored the 19th most fantasy points among running backs last year. Right now, you can get him well outside the top 20 backs. He's going in the end of the sixth round as the 23rd back off the board. Some of that might be because he's been out with a hamstring issue, but he got back to practice on Sunday. By all accounts, he looks good. And if I had to break down the guys behind him right now, we'll see what happens on cutdown day. But in my opinion, from what I've seen, it looks like the veteran Jeff Wilson, he looks a little better this year, actually, in the games. He looks a little healthier. Last year, he was coming back from a knee injury, I believe. This year, looks a little better. I think he's going to be the immediate backup. Tyrion Davis-Price should be a lock for the roster, just based on the fact that he was a third-round pick this year. They put that kind of draft capital in. They're going to want to see what they have. And when he was out there in the preseason, he looked pretty good as well. Really hard-charging kind of guy. Good contact balance. I think he'll eventually emerge as the backup and maybe that guy that could compliment Mitchell, but doesn't seem like it's going to be in week one. And then Trey Sermon, all the talk of, you know, John Lynch, the general manager was out there saying that Trey Sermon's had a phenomenal camp. When you watch the games, he really doesn't look great. It looks like what we saw last year from him, right? Like he's just not bringing much value to the table. And with that line, not really giving him that much either. His stats are just really, really poor in the preseason here. So I think that could be more of Lynch trying to position this to maybe trade Sermon, maybe get something back and not have to just outright cut him on Tuesday. But we'll see. There's been some reports that leaked out that I think Peter King suggested that Sermon could be the number two running back in that backfield. I would be shocked if that was the case, but really it could go any way here. The main takeaway for me is that Mitchell is the clear number one, a guy that could easily top 1,000 yards this season, and a guy that could be a, a top 20, maybe even a top 15 back if he can stay healthy the entire year. Next up, I want to talk about David Montgomery. And you know, if you've been listening to the show, you know that I have been a big supporter of David Montgomery as somebody who gets a ton of volume, and when the schedule looks pretty good, he can deliver for you. And I've brought it up before, but in our Strength of Schedule Matrix, the Bears are right up there with the easiest running back schedule this season. Walt Montgomery, when he finally got out there for his first preseason action this week and just dominated touches, playing with the starting offense, played 20 of 22 snaps with the starters, according to Nathan Yonke, our buddy over at PFF. And that tells me that Montgomery is still the man in that backfield. He is going to see a ton of volume still. And we know his backup, Khalil Herbert, he showed really well last year. When he gets snaps, if Montgomery were to miss time, Herbert would be a fantastic start, maybe top 15, top 20 guy in his own right. There was some speculation that perhaps with the new coaching staff that Herbert would be worked in more, maybe have some flex value for fantasy and sort of a committee or a two-man backfield. But right now, based on what we saw in this game, it looks like Montgomery is still the man there. 
and Herbert has to get bumped down a little bit at this point because I don't think he's going to offer the same kind of flex value that we might see from some of the other backups that I sort of had him ranked by. So still a, a great guy to have, a great backup running back for your bench, but not somebody that you're going to be able to play on a weekly basis and hope to get anything out of. We'll see if that changes at all during the year. While we're with the Bears, I should also talk about Justin Fields because he had a fantastic game this week. Maybe the best we've seen him play since he entered the NFL, even with the bad offensive line, even with the incomplete arsenal of weapons that he has there. Fields showed the kind of talent that could potentially lift the whole offense just by himself. This game completed 14 to 16 passes, 156 yards and three touchdowns, added another 11 yards on the ground. Definitely worth a flyer in the late round of your fantasy drafts. We got to talk about another guy named Montgomery, Ty Montgomery now. And this one, it has more to do with the other backs in the Patriots backfield. But Ty Montgomery got hurt this week. It was an ankle issue. He got carted off. We didn't really get an update. Bill Belichick sort of suggested that it's not season ending and that Ty Montgomery could potentially practice this week. We know by now we cannot take what Belichick is saying at face value. You can't really trust what any coach tells you. And I've brought it up before that I don't even know why they would tell you the truth. If I was in their position, I would never want to give up injury information. So it's smart of them to play it that way. But why we need to follow this one is because Ty Montgomery was potentially in the mix to get some of the receiving work in that backfield. And if he's taken out of that grouping, and now it just looks like it could be a, a Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson situation. Well, Damian Harris hasn't been used as a pass catcher very much in the pros. Ramondre Stevenson profiles as a guy that could be used more in that way. And that's how it's been in the preseason, in training camp. We've heard reports that Stevenson could take on more of that James White kind of role on top of the fact that he's a pretty good early down back as well. So it gives him a higher fantasy ceiling than Harris has because we saw last year, Damian Harris, 15 touchdowns just for him to finish as the RB 15 in fantasy points per game. You can't bank on him repeating that performance, especially with the talk that we've heard that the Patriots offense might not be as good this year with the changing coordinators and some turnover that they've had there. So I think Harris is a tough guy to bet on for fantasy. You can get him a little later now, but I would much rather draft Stevenson and hope that it all comes together for him, whether that be with a Harris injury that completely unlocks Stevenson and makes him a potential RB1 in fantasy, or just the fact that with Stevenson getting some of the early down work and a bunch of the passing down work, that he'll have more value than Harris has this year. We'll talk about Damian Pierce. Everybody wants to talk about Damian Pierce, and I'm going to recommend that people should draft him. I'm just going to say again, within reason, because everyone has fallen all over themselves to get this guy, and it's because he looks explosive. He got he went out there in the first preseason game, was electric. In the second preseason game, they sat him, which told us that he's going to be a big part of the offense. They let him go out there with the starters in the third preseason game, and another great performance from him. Six, 37, and one stat line this week. The offensive line for the Texans looks really good. They're coming together. I talked about that in our offensive line rankings, that the pieces were there, that if it they did gel, that they could potentially become a much better line. We might be seeing that happening right now. And Pierce's ADP is just going through the roof. It's risen 16 spots over the last week. He's up into the seventh round. I've seen him go even earlier than that in some drafts. The only reason that I preach a little bit of caution here and I said this last week on the show, 
Houston faces the fourth toughest fantasy schedule for running backs this year. And this is a team that's projected to win four and a half games this season. That's their win total on the year that Vegas is giving them. That tells me that this offense, they're going to be trailing more often than not. And if they are, we know Pierce is the early down guy, but on passing downs, seems like Rex Burkhead and maybe Marlon Mack will be more involved. So that could limit or cap Pierce just a little bit this season. I still think he deserves to be drafted as a top 30 fantasy back. Just remember that there is a little bit of downside here, that he could end up being one of these early down guys on a bad offense or a team that's not winning enough, and that could really hurt his fantasy outlook. So just keep that in mind. This isn't necessarily a guy that's going to vault himself up into the top 10 for fantasy or be a league winner, especially with his price going up so quickly now. Brees Hall, another rookie who is making a bit of a move on his depth chart. A lot of people were overreacting to Michael Carter playing as the Jets' number one running back the last couple games. This week, Carter and Hall split time with the first-team offense. And I think if you look ahead here, Carter's going to remain involved, especially early in the season. He'll still have a pretty big role in the offense. But it's just going to buy time for Hall to get up to speed. We see this with rookies all the time. That's why we talk about the post-buy bump that they get, right? As the year goes along, no matter who the rookie is, in the second half of the season, they tend to put up better stats when they're more comfortable in the offense. So Hall is going to emerge as the starter there. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. He is one of the few running backs that are in the RB dead zone who I would actually roll the dice on. There's only a couple guys in that range like Elijah Mitchell. Hall would be another one who I think as the year goes along here could potentially become a, a fantasy difference maker. Next up here, Jameis Winston, and it's been a really quiet August for Winston, and I think a big part of that has been he's had this foot injury, he's been sidelined, so there hasn't been the flurry of highlights coming out of practice and preseason games, we haven't seen any of that, but he returned for the final preseason contest this week, the guy was nearly perfect, led the Saints to a touchdown on his lone drive, completed all four of his passing attempts, 59 yards, and you have to remember, with all the weapons that are there in New Orleans this year, Winston could be a sneaky fantasy option, could be a guy that maybe if there's a couple injuries amongst the top 12 guys in my rankings, maybe Winston starts to flirt with low end QB one fantasy production. It is possible. That's how good that Saints offense could be. We know Winston has the talent. Last year, he was putting up decent stats early in the season before he got hurt with, aside from Alvin Kamara, with a lot of scrubs in the receiving core. And now this year he has a, a legit receiving core with Michael Thomas back. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave. They have some real weapons this season. Jameis could be pretty good for fantasy this year. Raheem Mostert is healthy. And I said in the article for now, I mean, he's healthy for now. How long can we assume that that's going to continue? But I had a lot of concerns that he wasn't even going to be ready for week one. He goes out, he plays this week. Looks like he's hundred percent. He hit the afterburners on his 26 yard run. He got to the outside and boom, he was gone down the sidelines. So that's really exciting for Mostert. You just have to remember, how long is this going to continue? He's had durability concerns whenever he's gotten touches in the NFL. It hasn't lasted long for him. Chase Edmonds, the clear starter still. He wasn't playing this week, so Mostert saw the most snaps with the first team offense. So I still think that Edmonds is definitely the back that you want to roster in that Miami backfield. Mostert could be a dangerous change of pace guy could give you some flex production for the weeks where he's out there. We just got to keep him off the trainer's table and fingers crossed that this could be the year that Mostert could actually stay healthy all season long. 
Geno Smith beating out Drew Locke. I got to bring this up. It's not really that important for their fantasy value. I don't think that there's really any winners in this quarterback competition. I think Geno Smith kind of won by default. He knows that offense well. He's been there for the last couple seasons and Drew Locke just completely imploded this week. He threw three interceptions. They gave him a longer run. I think they want him to win that job. I think they wanted to give him every chance to do it and he couldn't come through and actually perform. And this week was just maybe the worst we've seen of him in Seattle so far. So that's going to limit all the skill position players in that offense. Doesn't mean that you take them off your draft board. I just wouldn't draft them unless you're getting a discount, unless they're falling a round or two for you. Normally that's the the case when I end up grabbing a Seahawks player. It's that I'm just getting a, a really nice discount, but it's a hard offense to want to root for this season. It's a hard offense to want to, you know, sit down and watch games of this season. So I get it if some people are just going to stay away completely. A couple of guys that I'm definitely staying away from, and one of them is in the Seahawks offense, Noah Fant at tight end. Mike Gusecki on the Dolphins is the other guy that I want to talk about here. I'm lumping them together because they're names that when you see them in your fantasy draft, people are going to think, oh yeah, these guys have produced in the past. These guys are still fairly young. They can put up pretty big production. They're good pass catchers. But both these guys in the preseason have been splitting time with other tight ends. We've seen for Fant, it's been splitting time with Will Disley in that offense. And we already know everything I just said about that Seahawks offense, all the reasons that you wouldn't want to get involved in it. Well, another one for Fant is that he's not even getting the clear most snaps among the tight ends. Him and Will Disley are kind of sharing there. And then for Gusecki, he got outsnapped by Durham Smythe this week. And there's been lots of reports that they'd like to trade him, that he doesn't really fit necessarily in this offense, that he's not going to be lined up out wide as much, which is where he gets a lot of his production. So it's enough red flags to just step away completely. You don't want to draft these guys. There are much better late round fantasy tight ends to invest in. You can go back and listen to the tight end preview episode that we did a couple weeks ago. And we brought up a bunch of guys then that you could go after in the mid to late rounds. Traylon Burks, his time is coming. And I know there was all the weirdness when he got there and reportedly was out of shape and missed a bunch of practice time. And at different points when Mike Vrabel's given press conferences, you can see the frustration that he has over Burks not being out there and maybe not doing what they hoped he would be doing at this point. But he came out this week and had a pretty good game. Three catches, 33 yards scored a nice touchdown. He's still behind Robert Woods. He's still behind Nick Westbrook-Akina. He's still behind the other rookie there, Kyle Phillips. But we've seen Burks now move into that number four role, and it's only a matter of time, right? As the season goes along here, they need him to get more involved in the offense. So it might take a few weeks before he finally spreads his wings and starts to get consistent targets, but it's definitely going to happen. If you can get him at an incredible discount, which right now, you should be able to based on all the negative reports about him. He's still a guy that I would invest in. Just don't expect anything in the first month or so. He might be a guy that performs well for you in the second half of the season. And while we're talking about the Titans, why don't we quickly just mention Malik Willis here? Because I thought he had a great game this week. We saw him fall in the draft. We saw him post a couple uneven performances in the previous preseason outings. But he came out, he looked a lot more comfortable this week. Completed 15 of his 23 attempts, 131 yards, had a touchdown, had a pick. More importantly for fantasy, though, 
79 rushing yards, including a really nice 50-yard scramble where he got up the middle and it took off. You see the speed. You see how he can be effective, how he could win in the NFL. So when his opportunity comes, which might not be this year, we might need to see Ryan Tannehill get hurt in order for Willis to get out there this season. But fantasy managers should be ready because especially in, in rookie dynasty drafts, you could get him very cheap. I saw him fall into the third round or so. People were really out on him. And this is a guy that it looks like he's going to be able to contribute. He's going to be able to perform when he does get to start, at least for fantasy. Who knows how his career could go, what kind of weapons will be around him at that point. But for fantasy, these rushing quarterbacks, we know they can step in. And even if they're not the best real-life quarterbacks, they can give us some good fantasy production. So Willis, I will be very excited to see when he does finally get some real starts. Desmond Ritter, kind of the same situation for him, only I do see a scenario where Ritter could potentially get starts down the stretch, even if Marcus Mariota is healthy this year. Mariota, the unquestioned starter going into week one, Ritter did show enough though that he's going to warrant an opportunity at some point. I don't worry about the two interceptions this week. I'm just looking at it more as he looks more comfortable out there. He looks like he belongs. He's willing to push the ball downfield, which is something that not all rookie quarterbacks are willing to do. A lot of them don't want to make those mistakes. I like that Ritter's taking those chances. So I think once the Falcons are out of the playoff hunt, I would expect that Ritter will get some starts down the stretch. That is more for 2QB and Superflex leagues. That's more for Dynasty leagues. A regular single quarterback redraft league, you're not going to have to worry about Desmond Ritter. Uh, the Browns running backs. This is kind of an interesting one. And depending when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you might already know how this unfolds. But this is one that I want to watch to see how it plays out because Dearness Johnson, who we thought was the RB3 in this backfield, he played in this week's game while Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Jerome Ford, uh, the rookie, didn't play this week. So it's hard to speculate what this could possibly mean. The reality is there's a bunch of different scenarios on the table. Hunt's been rumored to potentially be a trade candidate. Johnson could be a trade candidate. Johnson could be on the roster bubble. As much as we like him and we saw him have some big fantasy performances last year, maybe the Browns feel good about the other three backs and, and they don't need Johnson around. Either way, all four of these backs could produce if they got into a situation where they got volume. I like them all. I think there's a good chance that Kareem Hunt could be on another team either before the season or at some point during the season if the wheels kind of fall off with Deshaun Watson suspended and things aren't going well. Maybe they move Hunt at some point, but it's going to be interesting to see whether they find a way to keep all four of them or whether one of these guys ends up on another team before week one. I suppose we should talk about Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams on the Cardinals. They shared snaps this week, and we were kind of hoping to see some separation that one of these guys would step up and show that he was the immediate backup behind James Conner. Didn't get that at all here. They're both splitting snaps. That could be the case if Connor gets hurt at some point. Maybe Benjamin and Williams are involved. I know there was some speculation out there that Daryl Williams could be a, a potential surprise cut on cutdown day. We'll see if that happens. If it does, then you'd feel much better about Eno Benjamin. I think the way it's going to work out is that Benjamin will see the most touches while Connor is healthy. But if Connor were to go down, we'd see some sort of committee happen here. I will also say the rookie, Keontae Ingram, he looks pretty good. He's playing behind all these guys, but he looks pretty good. So if Daryl Williams were to be cut, Ingram would be kind of intriguing as a, you know, a deep sleeper or one of my super deep sleepers. Maybe we could have put him in that column. Uh, Mike Davis on the Ravens. 
he might have some fantasy value early in the season. And I know you're thinking, here we go again. We talked about this last year. Didn't this happen on the Falcons where we thought he was going to get the volume and be the starter and then he never really produced. And now he's on the Ravens. You have Gus Edwards on the pup list. He's going to be out for at least the first four games. You have JK Dobbins also coming back from the torn ACL. He's no guarantee to play in week one. We'll see if he can get out there. That could lead to a lot of touches for Davis in the opening week. So I don't feel great about this, but if you're looking for a volume play, Mike Davis clearly seems to be the number three back there behind those other two. He's ahead of some of the other guys that we had hope for. Tyler Beatty, Justice Hill. Mike Davis is the one that the coaches have confidence in. And I will just point everyone back to last season when we had a 29-year-old Devonta Freeman get signed by the Ravens. And he had a bunch of different good fantasy outings in this offense. So maybe Mike Davis can get it done early in the year for a week or two. We'll see what happens there. Like I said, I don't feel great about it, but it's one that we got to monitor because if you're looking for some cheap production, maybe Davis could give it to you. And then the last one that I'll bring up is Paris Campbell. And I've said before, I will die on this Paris Campbell hill. I want people to still take a late round flyer on this guy. We know how this ends. He's on injured reserve. He's out for most of the games. It could happen again, but he's 25 years old. He's entering the season healthy. He had settled in as the Colts number two. He's ahead of the rookie Alec Pierce right now. He was the one out there in two receiver sets. A lot of people have been talking about the connection with him and Matt Ryan. It's been pretty well documented throughout the offseason and training camp. Campbell, the talent is there. We know the talent is there. We just need this guy to stay healthy and... I'm going to believe one more year. I'm going after it. I'm going to believe that the talent will finally shine through and he won't end up on the trainer's table and we'll see him actually have a pretty good season. One of my bold predictions in my bold predictions column was that Campbell be a top 40 fantasy receiver. And that might not seem very bold, but for a guy that constantly gets hurt, that there's very few people that still believe in him. I thought it was kind of bold to say that he could be a wide receiver three or wide receiver four for fantasy this year, which would make him a starter in most leagues. But that is all for today's show. Go and read the rest of my takeaways for week three of the preseason over at The Score. Make sure you're checking out The Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit every single day. We've been updating it all month long. That doesn't stop now. I'm going to have my refresh rankings in there either later today or early tomorrow. We'll update the tiers of salary cap values. I got an updated dynasty trade value chart coming this week. We'll be doing preseason risers and fallers. So lots more on the way. We're going to get you ready for your drafts. We're going to get you ready for the season. Two more shows to come this week too. We got a couple of great guests for those, but until then, big thanks again to my buddy, Sean Skinner and his new wife, Laura. I give all my friends a hard time when they have weddings during the football season, but I had a great time out there. They seem super happy together, which is what it's all about, right? So big thanks one more time to them. And as always, big thanks to everybody for listening and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time, leave on time with me 